Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Nick Williams, Kendall Hinton, J.J. Koski, Delonte Hood, Isaiah Prince, Austin Ajaki, P.J. Mustafer, Hagai Nadubiasui, Josh Hammond, Tommy Hudson, Ben DiNucci, Henry Bird, Montreal, Washington, Taylor Grimes, Aaron Patrick, Jordan Jackson, Art Green, Fayon Hicks, Seth Benson, Tyler Beatty, Tyler Lancaster, and the latest Albert Okawebenam all used to be Broncos. This morning informed that they no longer are. Um, quite a list there. Some of those names you know, some you don't. Um, 90 guys on a training camp roster. You can't get to know them all. But um, like we talked about earlier, those guys are probably in three groups. One of those groups are guys who are going to get picked up right away. Yeah. Another group are guys who might be on the cusp and might have to wait around and wait for some an injury and maybe get back or get on a practice squad somewhere. And one group of those guys, it's over forever. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're focusing on Alberto right now because he's a guy that we all have an emotional interest in. Let's face it. We saw him flash on Saturday night. A lot of folks th- thought he did enough to stay, uh, but he's gone. Your initial thoughts on that, oh? Um, it's a bit frustrating. You know, um, for me, it's kind of just like, why is there a training camp? Training camp is so you're able to evaluate players, make sure that they get better, sit there and watch them grow and develop. I think Alberto did all of that. I think he came in and showed that I'm coachable, that, yeah, I will try to do it to the best of my ability. And it got better. It got better as it went on. But it wasn't good enough. Yeah, clearly it wasn't good enough. But he doesn't even he doesn't strike me as a person that's like a cancer in the locker room no. or anything like that. So for me, you know, I just don't feel that great about this situation. And I really think that... You know, part of me, I look at last year, I look at the coaching staff last year, and I just question the the coaching aspect of it. I look at what the Broncos specifically, just offensive line, right? Luke Wattenberg was a draft pick for that regime last year. The only draft pick that they had, that they brought in, right? You would think that when he got that opportunity to play some games against the Jacksonville Jaguars across the pond, that he would have looked a lot better than he looked. Right, it looked like he was. It looked like he was like on JV in high school. It just it looked so bad. So, for me, now I start questioning these coaches and their ability to develop these guys. Mm. And I've been in an NFL locker room as a player, and I've been in an NFL locker room as a coach. And unfortunately, like what we think, the popular opinion of these guys are the best in the world. There's 32 NFL tight end coaches in the world. They should be the best. That's not always the case. That doesn't always hold true. So did Alberto, you know, not benefit from the coaches that he's had here over the last couple years? Because also we look at like a guy like Garrett Bowles and what Mike Munchak did for Garrett Bowles' career. Yeah. Right. Garrett Bowles had two other offensive line coaches before that. And then all of a sudden gets Mike Munchak, starts clicking, looks good. And then Mike Munchak's gone and now he starts dipping. 
So for me, is it now the same situation with Albro? And that's why I'm asking you. I'm so interested with what you got to say, Nate, because you've had to make that transition from wide receiver to tight end. Yeah. And then you had, did you have a couple different tight end coaches when I you did. had made that, when yeah. you made that transition? My first tight end coach, my first year as a tight end after switching from receiver was Tim Brewster. Mm. We coming. We coming. Up there, right up the road. Get up, man. And uh, he will make you question your love of football. Mm. I was not his project, so I got to, you know, uh, I was removed from his life. So what do you mean? It's project. You want He had one project okay. each year. One guy that he focused on every day and tried to turn him into a blocker. And it was always, you know, he was only here for two years. The first year, it was Wesley Duke, who was a basketball player in college, had never played football in his life. He wanted to turn, they, the coaches, wanted to turn him into Antonio Gates. Okay. Because Tim Brewster transitioned Antonio Gates. He was Antonio Gates' tight end coach in San Diego. So he came here with that cachet. Thinking I can do this, that, I'm the I'm the basketball football whisperer. So, and he tried to do that with Wesley Duke, and he couldn't. But you're talking about projects. So what? He wasn't really like he what, teaching I, you the right. Te- like no, no, no. I got, I got the coaching. Like, I just okay. didn't get. The, I just didn't get this coaching. I didn't get this coaching. Oh, so did which I, I appreciated. Did, I didn't need Albert that. O. Oh, you didn't need. I that. didn't. Want, I didn't okay. need. That. I'm not that guy. You don't need to spit in my face. Okay. You know, you don't need to get up and grab my face mask and call me all these names. I like it. I don't need that. I right? love it, actually. And so, so the interesting thing about it was. So, kind of miss it, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> so as a wide receiver, man, I mean, catching the football was the, is the one thing that, that God gave me the ability to do over all things. I catch a football better than I do anything in this world. That's why I got to the NFL. That's why I was impressing coaches in practice enough to learn uh, earn a roster spot. That part was easy for me. When I, got, when I transitioned to tight end, that part was easy. It was, the, it was the other stuff that was hard. After Wesley Duke didn't work out, that was 2005, we drafted Tony Scheffler. Okay, he became an awesome friend of mine. In my mind, I was like, darn it. I wanted to be the pass-receiving tight end on this team. I had one year under my belt. I'm starting to learn the position. But here comes Tony, and he is the Greg Dulcich. Okay, yeah. that's Greg Dulcich. It's Tony Scheffler. So immediately, I am the third tight end. Okay, and there's no way I would have made the team at all if I hadn't – Learn to block and play special teams. I know that. I would have been gone. There would have been no use for me yeah. because Tony's Tony's your guy. You, you're you dialing up. pick, right? Right. Like, Second round pick. Same as same well. as Greg Dulcich, right? Or he was a third round pick. But um, you don't have room for two pass catching tight ends if you're also using a hand in the dirt tight end as your number one Y, which isn't what Adam Troutman is. Mm-hmm. So if Alberto cannot contribute in other ways than just what we saw him do on Saturday night, why would I keep him on the roster? Because he won't suit up on game day, and we could use that as a for a guy who's going to be one of those 45. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think ultimately his pass-receiving skills and his ability as a pass catcher and his physical presence as an athlete, because he's a freakish athlete, wasn't enough to obscure his deficiencies in other areas. Another thing as well, I think this coaching staff looked at Albert Owen and said, it's not worth the reward at the end. Because the reward is only 17 games. Like, yeah, we could coach this guy up. We could get him to the best of the ability. But we're probably not going to re-sign him next year in free agency just because of Greg Dosage and, you know, him going into his third year. And Greg Dosage is more of a younger player that we can kind of shape and mold. So they might have looked down the road and said, we probably just kick the tires on this thing right now because of everything that we're saying, but also the layer of, like, contract-wise, right? So... You know, I, I, I get it. Trust me, Nate. But do you believe, and this is what I want to know, 
with what you've seen from Albert O, do you believe that Albert O, well, we both are agreeing that he's getting picked up. There, there are going to be a couple teams, right? I do think so, yeah. Do you believe he, has, he finds real success this year in this league where we're like, hey, you know what? Dang, that, that was 700 yards? That would have been nice in a Bronco uniform. That's a great question, and I'm going to tell you about it next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nick Jackson. you through tough moments in your life and you just wonder what song do you put on you know when you're hopping in your car driving over to the facility after getting that call Paw Patrol Paw Patrol oh, is that right on a is that no. what you listen <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you listen to music to help you get through tough Absolutely. moments do you choose and you choose a song based on the moment right yeah. what you want to feel I am telling sometimes you, a you lot about the cry. Mu- a lot about the music that I'm listening to Tell oh, so like, you've been listening to Paw Patrol? Or? No, I'm saying, like, if I'm feeling a certain type of way, yeah. like, you can listen to the music that I'm listening to and, and know exactly kind okay. of where I'm at. So you speak through the mu- music you're playing. Yeah. Your, your wife's like, what, what, what's wrong? And you're just like, don't you hear the song? Yeah, pay attention. Can't you? You don't get me. Yeah. <laughs> Ramaslaw.com text line. What song would you throw on in your car on the way to the facility to get cut if you knew you were about to get cut? What would you want to feel? Would you like party in the USA? But I gotta or, have faith, the faith, the faith. Okay, see, gonna yeah, are you delivering yourself a motivational faith. message, or are you wallowing, or is it hopeful? Is it is it angry? Yeah. I think I think there's a, a a little bit of everything, right? I mean, you're going to go through mixed emotions, and all of it's going to pour in, right? You're going to feel all those different things. I know for me, like. When I got released by the Chargers, because I had asked them to trade me or release me, and when they finally did, I was happy. You know, like I remember like leaving that facility, calling my wife was like, "Hey, they finally released me," hmm. and um, my agent was like, "Okay, like here we go." And he, my agent had already called me and said, like, there's these three teams are interested. Okay. They just would not trade. They didn't want to give up anything, but they they recognized that the Chargers might be releasing you because they have drafted two offensive linemen. So for me, like, it was that happy feeling. We all saw Antonio Brown, right, when he got released and how happy he was, right? So certain people are happy, and I know that that's not the best example, but certain people know that they're going to get that opportunity. Like Deion Lewis, inside linebacker. I think the Panthers released him today. He will be playing football this year in the National Football League, right? Tyler Lancaster, I know that the Broncos has released him today. He's going to be playing football this year in the National Football League, just like Albert O will as well. <clears throat> well, it is cut down day. We got a lot of guys getting cut. Um Someone said, check your phone, and you didn't. The, I, I can't see this, Drew. Maybe you can just tell, chime in. I got you, Drew. Okay. Um, reunion. The Broncos are trading for Saints kicker, oh. Will, Will Lutz. Well, as, so, Lutz, as Lutz would have it. <laughs> yep, source said. Wow. Uh, back with Sean Payton. That's coming out of Ian Rappaport. Wow. So does that mean Brett Maher's gone? 
is he getting cut or is it a kicker comp? You're gonna carry two kickers. Mm. Suit up two kickers. You never know which one. Maybe one guy does the deep stuff. One guy does the extra points. Yeah, that's not happening. That's how BMAC made it in the, in the league, though. His rookie year, he wasn't having success. And they, we brought in um, Barr. I think it was Barr. That was the other kicker's name. But And then they split the, the, the assignment. One was like the field goal kicker and one was like the kickoff person for the rest of that season. And then to BMAC... Credit, he worked his butt off in the offseason and showed the coaching staff that you don't have to do this. Like, I could handle all duties at this position. How do you feel about that, Will Lutz, over, over Brett Maher? Uh, because Brett Maher, I thought, has had a pretty good camp. Um, the first preseason game, he, he missed a kick. Yeah. He had one blocked, but he's been ice ever since. Um, uh, in hindsight, in hindsight today, Nate, I don't feel that great because I look at the Broncos and say, man, you, you need every draft pick possible in order to change the, the culture. And you need every draft pick possible because we're seeing, like, weird things happen. Montreal Washington was a fifth-round pick last year. He got cut this year. Yeah. Like, he's, he's here for three, like, for one season. What does, that say, what does that say about George Payton's influence on what's happening in this building? That- none. Sean Payton's running the show, head honcho. George Payton, we don't care. Really? Uh, what does George do on a daily basis? Uh, I think George does what Sean Payton tells him. Making bagels. George, no, I think he makes phone calls and he inquires about certain guys that he may think could help the Broncos, but also on guys that I think Sean Payton may give him a list of people. But um, for the kicker situation, your original question, for me, like, I, 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 I love it. It's a love-hate. Like, I hate the fact that, you're, that the Broncos are using a draft pick to trade for a kicker because you got to continue to build out this roster. I think the, the reason why the Broncos lost the first two preseason games by one point, even though it doesn't matter, is because you haven't been able to create depth in this system that you're running. You had to trade for Sean Payton. You trade for Russell Wilson. But at the same time, Maher was going to be – have like, I was going to stress out every time he lined up to kick a field goal. Every time, like, you, you could t- take my blood pressure, Nate, and my heart would have been beating out my chest the whole entire season, right? Yeah, you don't want that feeling. That That's the worst feeling to have when you have a kicker and you're like, everyone's worried whether or not he's going to make it. And I think the whole coaching staff and the whole team would have had the same thought process, yep. don't you? At least until, you know, week five, six, when he didn't miss anything and he proved that he is a reliable kicker. But you're right. You don't want to have that collective, like, uh-oh, what's yeah. going to happen here? I had two kickers here when I was when I was a, a member of the Denver Broncos. I was here 2003 to 2008. The first half it was um, Jason Elam. Mm-hmm. Jason Elam was ice. You never really heard from him, saw him. He wasn't in the meeting. He was a ghost. He just jogged on the field when it was time to kick. He made the kick. He jogged off. He disappeared. You never oh, saw God. him again. Yep. I, I don't know if there was a little hole or a bunker he hung out in during the game. You didn't see him. You didn't hear from him. He ran on. He made the kick. He ran off. He had ice in his veins. He never looked like he was going to miss something. He never had a look in his eyes like, I don't know, coach. Mm. He was just a, a consummate professional. He was a made man. If you have a kick, and Brandon McManus was a made man until he until he lost, until he got too comfortable. You know, he's like that dude in the mafia movies where he gets too comfortable. He thinks he's made, and all of a sudden he gets whacked. That's what happened to Brandon. But Matt Prater was also had a good a good run here. Yep. I this is a great place to kick. Prater. This is a great place to kick. So he was there back in your day, too. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, a, that's a heck of a career. Yeah, Prater's still kicking. Yeah. And you remember, or you you always talk about how Prater missed a kick in the game. He's like, I'm getting cut. Yeah, Prater was a psycho. 
I was just telling him, leave me the heck alone. Like, his thought process in the course of a game and when the game is not even over, it's like, dude, how are you telling yourself this? You might have to go back out there and kick another field goal to try to win this thing. And you're saying your goodbyes, and it's the middle of the third quarter because you just missed uh, from 47. Prater, Prater, when he first got here, you know, he's a single guy. and He used to like to make it rain. Mm. He definitely enjoyed <laughs> um, the after-hours uh, activities that went on in Colorado. But Yo, credit to him, he's he's a changed man. Oh, no, dude. he's He was a good I love uh, Matt Prater. He lived in a extended stay hotel all season long for yeah. like two seasons. Yeah, the hotel that we spent training camp at that, that nobody, everybody couldn't wait to get out of after the, what, six weeks that you had to live there? Yeah. He stayed. <laughs> him and John Engelberger. Eng- yeah. Engelberger was like his big brother. Yeah. And Engelberger kind of showed him how to be a pro. And part of Engelberger's process was to live in an extended stay hotel, to have him just come in and change your things and do all, and clean your bathroom. He never got an apartment. It was pretty hilarious. But Will, he said for two seasons, like I remember my rookie year, he did that. Okay, so that maybe was it was okay. So maybe he did it for five, six <laughs> yeah. years. Uh, you never have to sign a lease. Yeah, you know, you never have to buy furniture. Mm-hmm. Okay, the news is Broncos getting Will Lutz and probably replacing Bill Bill Maher. Brett Maher, uh, Bill Maher, probably not a great kicker. Um, Brett Maher, not a bad kicker, but Will Lutz, probably better. Will Lutz, 29 years old, will be going into his seventh season in the NFL. Didn't kick in 2021, but 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2022. Kicked in New Orleans. Um, A career 84.6%. Field goal kicker, uh, a career 97.6 extra point guy, and um, represents an upgrade, would you say, to Brett Maher? Yeah, I, I think it makes Sean Payton a lot more comfortable with uh, the kicking game. I think, you know, with how Sean Payton coaches and the fact that he's always coaching, the kicking game is a, is a very important part of just his philosophy on football. And it should be as a head coach, right? Remember when we had Uncle Vic Fangio here? He only cared about the defense. No, you got to care about all three phases. And I think that this move puts Sean Payton at ease at night when yep. it, you look at that third of the of the, the, the football team. And I don't think Will Lutz is going to be dressing up like a referee coming out to practice and throwing flags on the field. Yeah. I think he might... Follow the old adage, kickers are better uh, seen and not heard. Who knows, but the Broncos have a new kicker, Will Lutz, reuniting with Sean Payton. They spent a lot of time together in New Orleans, so he knows this kicker very well, clearly trusts him uh, well enough to bring him in, and he's going to represent a little under $2 million against the cap, so um, a a smaller cap hit than Brandon McManus. Um, But the Broncos have a new kicker. What does Andrew Mason think about all of this? We're going to have him on the show next. And Andrew Mason's joining us right now to talk about that. These guys waiting by the phone. These guys getting these phone calls. These guys being told that their dreams, at least maybe not they're they're not over, but they are being temporarily 
derailed. Andrew Mason joins us. Thank you for joining us, Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer, DenverSports.com. Okay, Andrew, um, some surprise cuts, perhaps Alberto being among them. Talk a little bit about this first wave of cuts and, and how you're feeling about them. Well, I mean, with Alberto, I mean, it's 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 tough for him. The last couple of weeks, you, you could say he was looking like he'd uh, he turned a corner um, and uh, and doing a, doing a lot of good things. To me, it wasn't just about that game Saturday. It was about four touchdowns in two joint practice days against the Rams last week. It was about uh, showing some some more promise as a blocker. Uh, in the previous game against San Francisco, and even stacking some good practices uh, before that. But um, even for a team that's going to emphasize tight ends, it's hard. It's hard to keep five tight ends. And this is where the other thing: if you're a tight end that's down the depth chart a ways, you've got to have a special teams role to justify a spot on the game day active roster. Because last year Albert was buried, but he didn't have a special teams role. And that was part of the reason why he wasn't getting a jersey week in and week out on game days. Um, and so they had been working with him on special teams, but I do think uh, that the lack of an obvious role for him there uh, probably plays a role in him uh, not being on the 53. Mace, thanks for your just detailed explanation on Albert O, but I, I got to ask you about another guy that he was out there, he was part of the 22 that didn't suit up. Now the Broncos have released him, and that's nose tackle Tyler Lancaster. Is that just because of Mike Purcells and his availability, or did these young guys, the Elijah Garcias, the Matt Hennison, benefit from playing in that third preseason game and ultimately showed the Broncos that, man, you probably got to go in a different direction? It's an interesting question. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, Lancaster's more of a pure nose tackle uh, then uh, certainly Gar- Garcia is definitely a straight up three five technique defensive end, and uh, and Henningsen that's been his role so far. So I thought it was I-, I thought it was curious that they didn't play Lancaster, and I think you mentioned Mike Purcell. Maybe that decision was entirely tied to uh, where Purcell uh, to-, to where Purcell stood on the roster, and uh, whether he was going to be ready or not. Okay, so the Broncos have a new kicker. Uh, Broncos have cut kicker. Brett Maher, uh, and confirming the report on Will Lutz acquisition. Will Lutz going to be reunited with Sean Payton. Is this an upgrade or is this a downgrade? Because uh, Will Lutz's career field goal percentage better than Brett Maher, but last year wasn't so good for Will Lutz. Will Lutz uh, kicked 74.2% last year from field goal, and uh, last year Brett Maher was 90.6 from field goal range. So who's the better kicker, Andrew? I mean, historically, you go with Lutz, and, and look, for, a, for, for head coaches, the vast majority of them do not want to worry about the kicker. They just want to say, okay, uh, your range is at this yard line you know, in, in one direction, this yard line at the other direction uh, relative to the wind. You get to a spot, you send them out there, and uh, trust them to, to do the job. So I would say that Will Lutz has a great deal has has, has a great deal of success equity uh, coming to him from Sean Payton because of the success he had in the five years that he kicked with for him before he was injured in 2021. I mean, uh, I believe the Saints, I believe, went through 10 kickers in 10 seasons from 2006 
2015, uh, the, the first decade Sean Payton was on the job there. And then Will Lutz basically stopped that revolving door. So uh, I think there's a great deal of trust that Payton has in Lutz, even though last season, when, of course, Payton wasn't there, uh, didn't match the standard. The interesting thing on Will Lutz, too, um, last year, 74.2%, 23 of 31, curiously struggled inside of of 50, particularly in the uh, 40 to 49-yard range was 4 of 8, was 9 of 11 in the 30 to 39-yard range. But also, Lutz had the only perfect season on PATs of his career going uh, 33 of 33. So I think maybe... Uh, maybe may, the, the small, the relatively small sample size for for kickers, I think maybe is a little bit deceptive. I think he'll end up being about where he was before that dip last year, which is a guy who would hit anywhere from eighty-two to ninety-three percent of the field goal attempts. Mace, um, when you look at George Payton, right? He comes in, he has three different head coaches in three years. Now Sean Payton's here. And George Payton last year drafted Montreal Washington in the fifth round. And Montreal Washington was cut this year. Any any tells or anything that we could, you know, decipher through this as far as what's going on? And, you know, is this just Sean Payton is just strictly running the show and molding this team to how he sees fit? Like, what, what do you get? Well, I mean, that? I think, yeah, I, I think Orlando, that was probably evident when they drafted Marvin Mintz back in the second round. And at that moment, there wasn't an obvious role for Mims uh, on the offense based on who you had coming back as anything more than a number four receiver, which meant that he'd have to plug in as a punt returner in all likelihood. So, I mean, I think that process began the moment the Broncos selected Marvin Mims uh, as far as as far as Montreal Washington being in trouble. And actually, for Montreal Washington, it probably began uh, back when Jerry Rosberg became the head coach and made Washington a healthy scratch in those final two games of the regular season. So um, you get to you also you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh round. That is a range where you start seeing players kind of drop off the radar uh, more quickly. Like looking at the 2020 draft, for example, it's pretty notable that four of the first uh, six picks in rounds one through four are no longer with the team. It's not really all that notable in the grand scheme that a fifth rounder isn't with the team one year after he's drafted. That's just that, that that's just kind of part of the deal in terms of the success or, or failure rate. Right? And also it wouldn't surprise me at all if Washington passes through waivers ends up being brought back and they continue working with them. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. So there's 27 guys so far who have been released or weighed by the Broncos this morning or or yesterday or a couple days ago. Um, do the math there. 53 guys on the active roster, 16 practice squad guys. So that's 69 players. That means 21 of the guys are not coming back, or, or will more of those guys not come back? Are they going to compose the practice squad of other players from other teams that just got released? How do you see them putting this practice squad together? I'd expect uh, at least a, a couple of players, if not more, that are uh, that are to, that are off waivers from other teams. I don't think it's going to be straight up bringing back every being back bring back players who were only uh, waived or released by the Broncos here the, at the cut down here the last couple of days. I, th- I think you'll see some guys brought in. And also on the 53 player roster, I think there may be a waiver claim or two 
uh, brought in from somewhere else, which should lead to a corresponding move to go along with that. All right, we'll keep our eyes peeled. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. I know you're busy today, so get back to work. Thanks, no problem. Guys. Take care, fellas. There he goes, Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer, denversports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right, we're going to continue to react to these cuts. Albert O, Montreal, Washington, Taylor Grimes, who was Cecil Lammy's guy. Who's going to land on the practice squad? Who's going to go somewhere else? Where's Albert O going to land? Also, is there a quarterback controversy on this team, O? That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. I'm a player, and I'm a playing just to play. Some players are staying, some players are going. One of the players was going, Alberto Kuebenam. Alberto being waived, released by the Broncos today. Will he find a new home? We shall see. I'm sure he will. But will it come back to bite the Denver Broncos? Will he land with an AFC West opponent? Some folks think so. Um, one of the players who's going, Brett Maher. Not Bill Maher. Brett Maher. Released. Will Lutz reunited with his old coach, Sean Payton. Will Lutz coming here to hopefully provide some stability at kicker now that Brandon McManus is gone. But before we get into this, guys, the good guys... Car Show is back. Good guys, 25th Grundy Insurance Colorado Nationals presented by Griot's Garage. America's favorite car show returns to the Rockies for its 40th anniversary season of cool cars, cool people, good times. Grab your family and friends. Head head on out to the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland the week of September 8th through the 10th. It's coming up for the good guys, 25th Grundy Insurance Colorado Nationals presented by Griot's Garage. See over 2,000 of the country's finest 1998 and older hot rods, trucks, customs, Muscle cars, classics on display. Check out Good Guys Classic Performance Products Autocross Racing Series action featuring the Western State Shootout on Saturday. Experience a tire-smoking burnout competition and earth-shaking Nitro Thunderfest Vintage Dragster Exhibition. Shop the swap meet. Cars for sale corral and vendor midway. Enjoy live music and bring the little ones, the kiddos. The Free Kids Zone. On Sunday, see which rides take home the top awards of the weekend, including Builder's Choice Awards by Eric Peratt of Pinky's Rod Shop. Also on Sunday, check it out. American-made or powered late models of all years are welcome for our Meguiar's All-American Sunday celebration. For complete details and to register your vehicle or purchase tickets, visit goodguys.com. That's G-O-O-D slash G-U-I-S dot com. Hang with the good guys where real car people come to play. And right now we're giving away four tickets to the good guys car show. That's four tickets to this good guys car show. You got to pick up the phone right now. It's in your hand. Dial this number 303-713-1043. That's 303-713-1043 for your good guys tickets. All right, Big O. All the cuts we talked about. 27 guys. 27 guys so far and counting. Which one hit you the hardest? Which one hit me the hardest? For me, it's got to be Tyler Lancaster. Mm. He was he, he was a, told, you're good. You don't have to play in this game. And, you know, as a veteran guy, as a guy that's been around the NFL, played on different teams, I just know what I would have started doing right there, right there and then. I might have been away from my family for the last few months in training camp. Tell my family, hey, we're good. Start looking for that place. Start contacting realtors. Start packing it all up and, you know, maybe looking into schools for the kiddos. 
And now this veteran is no longer a part of this football team. So for me, you know, Albert O, you had to kind of see the writing on the wall, right? It was an uphill battle with Albert O. But a guy like Tyler Lancaster, I think that one hits me the hardest. What about you? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Albert O. I think okay. it's Albert O just because we all got wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? And we all were hopeful because we've been watching this kid for years now try to figure it out. Show flashes of brilliance. Do things athletically that nobody else can do out there. You see him out there when he's in his bag. There aren't a lot of guys who can do what he can do. Move like he can with the athleticism, the, the range, the catch radius, the natural hips. I mean, he has it, but he couldn't put it together. And so I think a lot of us were hopeful that he would find a spot on this new Sean Payton team because it is, it's a new regime here, you know, and, and you got to think if you're a pass catcher on this team and Sean Payton keeps you around, he's got a plan for you. If you had Albert O's ability in the passing game. If, what do you mean if? Oh, you did. What, what do you mean if? Oh. No, I'm just talking about like, I think it, radius, I, you got to do, you got to do that question. That? You got to do that question the other way around. Oh, if Albert oh, O had okay. Nate's uh, ability in the passing game, then he would still be here now. Wow. Because he doesn't, his hands aren't reliable. Oh, you don't think his hands are that good? I know they're not. Yeah. Oh, really? He I made don't... some nice catches in this game. Okay. But last year, he went in there and boop, ball hit the ground. Boop, ball hit the ground. And open passes. Open. And oh. you don't you don't think the Sean Payton went back and looked at that film? Maybe so. Maybe that's why he's not here. <laughs> Maybe you can't just forecast that. He might drop it in the big moment. Yeah. You, but, you, man, like, if Albert Ho had your ability in the run game, what was Albert O turn into <laughs> in the National Football League? He'd be here, man. He'd be here. Now, I'm not saying I was some, you know, like I always use this term because it was what was used to us. I'm not a road grading blocker, yeah. but I was a serviceable blocker. But it took me time. It took me some time to get there. The first year, I was horrible, and I didn't suit up much, you know, at all, like I was telling you about. But it's this type of thing where coaches just want to see you improving. They want to see you getting incrementally better at the things you're not good at and a willingness to do so. Like, deliver a blow. Deliver a crack. Maybe you miss the block. Maybe you fall off after you hit make that. But did you ever see O just come off and pop a guy? Mm. And that's why the coaches probably were okay moving on without him because it's a physical sport. I want to see you throwing your body into the fire. Alberto never really did that. Yeah, just get up and just absolutely come through and and try to crush somebody. Try it. Things happen. Throw after, yourself right? around. You'll see defensive linemen sling you, right? You drive him back four yards, and then he like hip tosses you, and he's like, "Yeah, I, right. I'm just like, but no, I dogged you exactly. I dogged you, and you know that initial collision. You know who yeah. win, who wins that one, right? Big O wins it exactly. But Big O's gone now. But that O, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't winning those point of attack collisions. Yeah. He wasn't creating those moments, and I think probably that war on coaches. Like, why do you keep stepping off the line of scrimmage and trying to play patty cake with these guys? You have to explode off the line of scrimmage and deliver a blow. I don't care if you don't hold on and make a perfectly formed block. I want to see effort. I want to see you turn yourself into a missile. I want to see you crack this dude under the chin. I want to hear a pop, Albert. And it had to have been frustrating day in and day out when they continue to not hear that pop yeah. when they're asking him in meetings to deliver that. Was he was slow like was he slow to get into when you look at like his releases, yes. his first step. Absolutely. Um in the passing game as well. That, well like, no, no. That's no, what no, I'm no. saying. Like, like coming off the ball, like did he have that quick is he a twitchy guy? Like in the passing game. A lot of it's about your pad level. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And staying low. You you have to learn to drop your hips and stay really low when you release because it allows you to kind of 
hide yourself amongst the the bodies as you're trying to release and get and you know weave yourself through traffic on those crossing routes. Now I'm not going to be too critical of his of his crossing routes because he caught like all those passes were crossing routes. He clearly did a good job there. But um, this is stuff you learn as you go. One year you you get better than the next or the previous year, and it's an incremental thing. But the coaches need to see you working on the things they're trying to get you better at. And if they don't see you putting in that work or making it a priority, then they lose they lose they lose their faith in you, and they lost their faith in O. Uh, and, and that's gone. how it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Because those coaches they have a duty to this organization to coach these guys up, and they have families too. Those coaches and their families they have funny little habits. They like to eat square, three square meals a day. So <laughs> you can't just say, "Oh yeah, this guy's going to get it at some point," if he hasn't showed you that he's not getting it. Real quick before we get out of here, I asked if there's a quarterback controversy here. Some of the fellas were talking about this. Mike Evans, there's a promo going on about Jarrett Stidham's performance and whether or not, or not that puts pressure on Russell Wilson. I'm going to read you a text from the RamosLaw.com text line. There will be a quarterback controversy with the Broncos until Russell Wilson balls out, scores 23 points a game, and they win games. If Russell doesn't do that, then yes, the Broncos will need to find a new QB that can. Russ has eight weeks to put up points and win games. If they're three and five at the bye and averaging less than twenty, Russ time in Denver as the starting quarterback is done. I agree with that. There's no quarterback controversy though, and that's the only part that I don't agree. Russell Wilson's the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. I mean, if he does not do what that texture just listed off, the Broncos will be looking in a different direction to find their quarterback of the future. It will not be Jared Stedham. It will not be Ben DiNucci. If 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 the Broncos start off zero and four. Yeah, one of these quarterbacks, if he looks absolutely awful, Nate, they will get their opportunity to play. But a controversy for me is like saying that that we have a person on this roster that could be the quarterback for the next decade. No, we don't. If they start off and Rustus looks absolutely awful, they will go to the backup quarterback to try to win football games and get through the season. But as soon as the season's over, they will be looking to bring in the next guy. Like the Broncos quarterback of the future is not on this roster if he's not named Russell Wilson. Should they have traded for Trey Lance? Yes, they should have. Fourth-round pick, absolutely. Frustrated that they didn't. Wish we could get into that. Our show's over. Maybe they need to add an hour (laughs) to it. Maybe. Someday, fingers crossed. That's it for us on the Players Club. Stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.